We need to start by asking the question, how is it that you are stewarding the gospel in your own heart? You want to talk about your thought life, your relationships, all the stuff in your life, and how you just feel drawn to materialism all the time. Let's begin by asking how it is you are doing at stewarding the gospel. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part two of Stewardship in the Light of the Gospel from Pastor Paul Twiss. Pastor's Bible text is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. If you remember from yesterday's message, Pastor Paul Twiss began his two-part lesson on Stewardship in the Light of the Gospel by showing how Jesus spent much of his time emphasizing how we use our time and money as an indicator of our true priorities. Basically, how we spend our money, time, and effort is what we are investing in, what we think is important. Some people invest long-term, others short-term. So ask yourself, are you investing your finances and time in something that is short-term, that won't last, or in something that grows more and more valuable over time, and I mean outside of time, like eternity? Let's catch up with Pastor Twist's message now with part two of Stewardship in the Light of the Gospel. Do you treasure in a way that the world cannot understand the account of Jesus, a man of perfect obedience, against whom the Jews plotted, handed over to the Gentiles, the Jews and the Gentiles, there is a picture there of all of humanity telling me that there is no one righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and they spat on him, they stripped him naked, they beat him, they tore out his beard and they mocked him. They beat him so bad he no longer looked like a man. Isaiah 53, he was marred beyond all human semblance, he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But like a lamb who was led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. Are you fostering a love in your heart for the account of Jesus carrying the cross out of the city? And they pinned him to the cross. And his blood flows down his body. And we sing over and over about the preciousness of the blood of Christ. But I don't know how precious that blood is to you. And every single step of the way, every scene in the passion narratives, there is an emphasis on God's complete control. Read it closely and see the emphasis of God bringing to pass all that he willed so as to affect your salvation. Friend, if you want to talk about your budget, we need to start with the gospel. We want to talk about your time and how it seems time just keeps slipping away and you feel like you're just wasting time. We need to start by asking the question, how is it that you are stewarding the gospel in your own heart? You want to talk about your thought life, your relationships, all the stuff in your life, and how you just feel drawn to materialism all the time, let's begin by asking how it is you are doing at stewarding the gospel. Because your stewardship of the gospel, how it is that you manage that truth, this story in your own heart and mind, day by day, is the foundation 
for all biblical stewardship. And if you get it wrong, if you live a life of complacency towards the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of two things will happen. Either you'll be a lousy steward, you'll blow your paycheck, you won't have a clue how to manage money, you'll do a bad job. Or if you miss this, your bank account might look really good and everything might be in place where it's meant to be, but you will do so as an idolater. If you don't have the foundation for biblical stewardship, you'll stink at stewarding, or you'll do pretty well in the world's eyes, but you will do it as an idolater. I got my college fees paid off, and the name on the credit card is idolater. So you need to lay this foundation and diligently pursue a renewed love for the gospel day after day, understanding that you are responsible for how you handle this truth in your life. And when you have that foundation, what that does is then begins to provide a framework for everyday stewarding issues. And here's where we move to the second point. The gospel is the foundation for faithful stewardship. The gospel is also the motivation. Paul says in verse 2, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now work with me here to see the logic and understand the relationship between this first verse and the second verse. Paul begins with stewardship of the gospel, which I would say in its most foundational form is an internal, intangible, unquantifiable reality. It begins in here, which is to say, I can't see what you're doing with the gospel in your own heart. And then verse two, he immediately flips to some degree of measurement. He says, we're to be found faithful, which suggests there is a means by which this can be measured. Verse one starts with something going on in here, which is altogether unquantifiable. And verse two, he says, be found faithful. We can measure this somehow. In the context of this letter, for Paul, he's saying, look at my ministry. Look at my ministry as the fruit of my management of the gospel in my own heart. We know this relationship to be true in other areas of doctrine. Let's put stewardship to one side for a minute and think about salvation. How does the Bible speak about salvation? It talks about being born again, God replacing a heart of stone with flesh, which again are kind of abstract realities. I can't take an x-ray and see whether you have that new heart. It's somewhat unquantifiable, and yet everywhere I look in Scripture, I'm told to measure it. I'm told to test myself. Think about 1 John over and over. He's saying, test yourself to see if you're truly saved, how? By external fruit, the realities that flow out from that internal, unquantifiable reality. And Paul's using the same logic here as he talks about stewardship, beginning with what you're doing with the gospel internally, there should be some kind of overflow, trickle-on effect in your life. And this is where we get really practical and talk about everyday stewardship issues. The gospel is the foundation and it becomes the motivation. It gives you the framework 
for making decisions on the everyday in a really practical sense. Put it another way, your everyday stewardship should reflect the truth of the gospel, which is the foundation. The way in which you steward your money and your time and your relationships and your stuff and your thoughts, the way in which you make decisions and manage those things should reflect the truth of the gospel. So in the time we've got left, I just want to think through the question, what does it mean to be found faithful? In a really practical sense, and this is where we can draw on some other parts of Scripture and think through what else the Bible says about stewardship, I'm going to give you just three thoughts about how it is we can practically steward in a way that reflects and honors the gospel, which is the foundation of stewardship. What does it mean to be found faithful? Number one, the gospel relates to things of eternity. The gospel by which you've been saved doesn't offer temporary salvation. It doesn't offer temporary forgiveness of sins. It is an eternal thing. It relates to things of eternity. If we're going to reflect that gospel in our everyday stewardship, to be found faithful, at least in part, means that we must steward in light of eternity. We steward in light of eternity. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in. We steward in light of eternity. That means as you make decisions about how to use your money and your time and your gifts, you're thinking through the fact that you may not be here tomorrow. It means that as you think through how to use that which has been entrusted to you, you're thinking through the reality that you may not be here next week or next year. And you're thinking through the outcome of the way in which you manage your stuff 10,000 years from now. What's the fruit of this action 10,000 years from now? That's what it means to steward in light of eternity. Indeed, it makes no sense to steward your things only with a focus on the here and now. When you truly understand how fleeting this life is and the fact that you will very soon be in eternity and you will be there forever and ever and ever, it makes no sense whatsoever to steward simply in light of the here and now. I remember speaking to my maths teacher when I was at school about the stock market. He used to enjoy investing money in stocks and shares, and apparently he was quite good at it. And people knew that, so they used to come to him and they used to ask him what to do with their money as they were seeking to invest, and he would always say, okay, tell me what you've done so far with your money, and he said, time and time again, they would say, well, there was this particular stock or share that was doing really, really well, so I bought a ton of it. And he said, okay, tell me what you did after that. And they said, well, it dropped in value, so that's when I just sold it all because it wasn't doing very well. And he said, I would struggle not to laugh at them because what they're doing is they're reacting, responding in light of the here and now. And multiply that level of stupidity a thousand times, and that is what it's like to steward your things now in light of this life and not think about eternity. C.T. Studd is our example. If you don't know C.T. Studd, you need to befriend him. You can read his biography. He was a missionary to Africa. He began as a household name in the sport of cricket. If you don't know what cricket is, it is 
even slower than baseball. And I know you didn't think it was possible, but it's true. You can play a game of cricket over five days. I kid you not. Test match. Two nations come together for five days, and at the end, it can be a tie. <laughs> and CT Stud was the man at cricket. Everyone in the UK knew his name, but he also came from a very wealthy background. He had a lot of cash. The Lord saved him. He wrote to his bank manager and said, "I want to give it all away. I want to invest it in this missionary organization and this missionary organization, and I myself want to go and be a missionary." And the bank manager replied and said, "I think you're out of your mind. I refuse to do that with your money. If you're set on this, write me again in three months from now." So C.T. Studd wrote another letter three months later, and you can read it in the biography. And he said, "I don't fancy the chances of my bank account on the day of judgment." So I want to invest in an eternal account. You have to think through eternity, and when you do so, two things will happen. Number one, you're not going to hold on to things very tightly in this life. You're going to stop holding on to things so tightly when you set your eyes on eternity. And then also, when you do spend, when you do invest, be it time or energy or gifts or money, you'll do so thinking about the eternal fruit. I'll be honest. When I When I see so many people, and it seems to be such a defining mark of this generation, sat on a screen on Facebook, I just can't do it. Number one, it's a little bit weird to be sat there for so long watching other people's lives going by. A little bit weird. But secondly, in terms of stewardship, when I say what is the eternal product of that activity, ten thousand years from now, I can only come up with one answer, and it's zero. It gets really practical when you start thinking through issues of eternity. Second truth: the gospel relates to things of God. It is a message that comes from God. It is a message that has God at the center. It doesn't come from man, and it's not primarily about man. If it's true that the gospel is the foundation and the motivation for all biblical stewardship, and that the way in which we steward every day should reflect the reality of the gospel. Then we need to steward as those who will give an account to God. Now, there's some overlap here from that first thought about stewarding in light of eternity, but it is a different point to say at the same time you also need to steward, manage your things on a practical day-to-day -day basis as one who will give an account to God. Paul says in this very passage, we stopped at verse two, but if you read on, he goes on to say to the Corinthians, "You are not my judge in this. You are not my judge." He even says, "I'm not my judge. I'm not qualified to judge myself. It is God who is the judge." And look, I know this is not groundbreaking truth, and I know that very easily you can assent to this mentally and jot it down in your notebook. But the reality is, it is incredibly hard to live out on a day-to-day -day basis. Why? Because of the power of peer pressure, especially during college years. A friend of mine says that he thinks the hardest time to be a Christian is when you're at college, because of the power of peer pressure. It is easy to assent to this and affirm, "Yes, I must be one who gives an account to God," but to do it. And to put legs to that truth is incredibly hard, because of the expectations of those around you, of society and the culture you live in, and quite possibly your friends. And I guarantee you that if you are not living an intentional Christian life, 
taking the initiative with your own life and your own decisions, if you are living what I call a passive Christian life and everything's just passing you by and you're just responding, if that's what your Christianity looks like, I guarantee that your stewardship decisions will conform to the expectations of men and not the expectations of God. You have to get serious about this, take the initiative, start living an intentional life when it comes to deciding, how am I going to spend my money? How am I going to spend my time? How am I going to use these abilities that God has given me? Only then might you start to conform your life with the expectations of God and not man. If you fail to do that, then it's going to be really tricky when you stand before him and you give an account for everything that he entrusted to you. Not only will understanding that you give an account to God steer you away from the power of peer pressure, but it also puts an incredible value on everything you have. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, whether God has gifted you incredibly or less so, you understand that all of it is incredibly valuable because God has given it to you. If you know our family, you may know that we drive two cars. We have a Honda, which I really like, air-conditioned, it's spacious, it's a nice drive, and we have Scratchy. And my kids named Scratchy Scratchy because she's got a fair few scratches and dents. I bought Scratchy when I first arrived here. I mean, I'm just trying to find my footing in this strange country. And all I know is I've got a really tight budget and I need a car to be able to drive my family around. So I enter into this really bad deal I buy it off this guy who lives on Roscoe, and the, and the car has no license plates. I mean, everything about it, there should be alarm bells ringing, and I, I mean, I just bought the thing. And you know, Scratchy served us well for about 100 miles. And then things started to go wrong, and one of the first things that went wrong with Scratchy was that the air conditioning went. So here I am, four years on, and I'm still driving Scratchy. Laura drives the Honda with the kids. I take Scratchy to work, and every day I leave, and I'm on the five, and I'm crawling along, and I'm sweating, <laughs> and there's sweat just hanging off the end of my nose, and I look across at the drivers with their air conditioning, and I am so mad. One day soon, I really hope Scratchy's going to be gone out of our life, and there will be no love lost when she goes. I don't care much for Scratchy. And I tell you this because the other day I asked a friend to help me get some boxes out of Scratchy. We went down to her, opened up the car, can you help me get some boxes out? And he stands there and he looks at the mess inside. I don't care for Scratchy. He looks at how dirty she is outside and he says, this is not a Christian car. <laughs> oh my goodness. I said, what do you mean? It's a piece of junk. He said, no, no, this is not a Christian car. He said, this is a stewardship issue and this is not a Christian car. I felt so bad. I went home and cleaned her. <laughs> the point is this, whether you have a lot or not a lot, it is God that has entrusted it to you. If you are incredibly gifted in the eyes of men and you have gifting that other men applaud, or whether you don't have much gifting in the eyes of men and your service in the church goes unnoticed, it doesn't matter because God has given it to you. And you must give an account to God. And that changes the way in which you steward everything. Third truth, and with this we'll close. The gospel relates to things of joy. We have good news. We don't have bad news. We have been saved. It is a joyful message. 
If it is true that that which the gospel is, is representing and all the truths of the gospel should filter through and affect our everyday stewardship, then we must be those who steward joyfully. We must be those who steward joyfully. We must be those who steward as if we've got good news because we have. If you study the language of stewardship all the way through the New Testament, so often that word joy comes up. Think about Paul who says, God loves a joyful giver. Now think about that. He doesn't need to say God loves a joyful hoarder or saver. It's not hard to be content and happy when you have a lot. But he's saying when you give, which is against the inclination of your flesh, and you do it joyfully, God loves it. The implication is that all of your stewardship should be marked by joy. You shouldn't be resentful. You shouldn't be grumpy. You shouldn't be hard-hearted with the way in which you go about things and manage things. And if you get this right, it provides an incredible balance in your life. It is a real leveler in terms of your theology of stewardship because what it does is that it allows you to then delight in the things that God has given you. So many Christians have this warped theology that we can't enjoy the things that God has entrusted to us. Steward with joy, be thankful. Don't make those things God, but acknowledge that he has given them to you and enjoy them. And at the same time, it stops you from coveting the things that God hasn't given you. It breeds contentment in your soul if you resolve to steward with joy. It guards you against materialism, greed, short-sightedness from loving your possessions if you would say, I will be a joyful steward. The gospel is the absolute foundation of all biblical stewardhood. You must steward the gospel well. Do not become tired of the gospel, but renew your heart to it day after day. Love the gospel. It must be a treasure and allow the gospel and your stewardship of the gospel to inform your everyday decisions. As one who is investing in eternity, who must give an account before God and who is joyful. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have entrusted to us the gospel. Thank you so much that you saw fit to open our eyes and to entrust to us the gospel. I pray for all of us here that we would steward the gospel well in our own hearts, in our own minds. Guard us from becoming complacent towards the gospel. May we treasure it day after day after day. And please allow that to inform our everyday stewardship as we think through how to manage our money and our time and our gifting, our relationships. May the gospel inform it and may we honor you as those that are investing in, in eternity, who one day stand before you and give an account, and may we steward with great joy, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You are listening to Timeless Truth Today. Think for a moment about what's important in your life. That's where your treasure is. Maybe it's family, your job, your possessions, your money. It could be a lot of things, or maybe your treasures in heaven. Over time, as you get older, are you getting closer or further away from your treasure? If your hope and joy is in this world, let's be serious. You're eventually going to get further from your treasure. On the other hand, if your treasure is in heaven, every day is one step closer to your long-term investment. Are you getting closer to or further from your real joy? 
If you want to learn more about how to invest in eternity, come to TimelessTruthToday.org, TimelessTruthToday.org. Select Broadcasts, and there you'll find an abundance of teaching to help you. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twiss, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. Sunday's coming. If you don't have a home church, we would be honored if you'd join us, 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks. Join us Monday, part one of new series, Tested and Triumphant. I'm Matt Williams. Have a great weekend, and thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.